Welcome back to class. It is D Hall and Dragons, a real play D&D podcast about four high school students from our world that are sucked into a realm of fantasy and magic and have to set out on a quest to find their way home, but not before they find themselves along the way. My name is Riley Wesson. I am the dungeon master for this podcast. And uh, yeah, we're here. It's It may be a snow day, but we're in class today. So... <laughs> nice <laughs> we we're actually having snow in texas for like the once every like two to three years so mm-hmm. it's a it's a big day down here yeah this is when an ice day should actually be called for schools as opposed to the usual where someone spills their frappuccino on the street and they're like no nope, can't go to get school. the salt out get the salt <laughs> i feel so bad for a person that would spill their frappuccino on the street i know because it's fucking expensive <laughs> that's, that's so sad i have a good question Oh, that we could all answer, and Ooh. it's um uh, seasonal. So, what is your oh. character's favorite season, and why? Well, who are you? I'm Andy Dinehart. <laughs> <laughs> in general, <laughs> in general, how, how most of the time, I would never do that. Wow. Shut up, <laughs> um, and I am the voice of Victoria Hightower, and Victoria's favorite. I, she's probably on the fence, but she's a spring summer gal. Um, really? You don't say. No, I'll, honestly, I was I was thinking more autumn, but then I realized California really? and LA than like. Duh. I mean, but. I mean, don't get me wrong. Uh, Andy's favorite is autumn, and I could easily make my character's favorite the same thing. But well, this isn't about you. I know it's not, unfortunately. Um, but <laughs> God, she's no, a character she, already. Already, y'all. Already, <laughs> I'm I'm rearing to go. I have been all morning. Um. For Cecil, uh, hi, I'm Brandon Lindsay. I play Cecil McNamara. Uh, Cecil's favorite season, I would say he doesn't really have a favorite season. It just kind of depends on what sport he's playing at the time. If he's playing baseball, it's summer. Playing football, it's the fall. He's He got into winter sports last winter because his family went up to uh, Breckenridge and he got oh. into snowboarding. So what you're saying is you're just not going to answer the question and not say your favorite season. Well, okay, so cur- <laughs> currently he's he's been playing baseball more often than everything else. So right now his favorite season is... Uh, baseball season. His favorite season is baseball season, yes. No, his favorite season is the postseason. There we go. Hey, hey! the postseason. There it is. There it is. It was going to happen. I just needed to, to work up to it. My name is Jackson Pounds. I voice James Malden. James's favorite season is probably autumn. It's one of the only times in Texas where it's not so fucking hot and humid, and sometimes you have those days. Normally, it's like that one day in November um, where the weather is perfect, um, and it lets him go out to the the woods and read and do his usual hobbies. It lets him rock the three-layer look. Yes, which even if it's (laughs) summer, he probably would rock anyway, so. Of course, of course he would. (laughs) No stopping this man. Um, my name is Danielle Grisco, and I play Brian Tolkien um, for the purposes of this uh, podcast. Brian is also annoying in the fact that he doesn't have a favorite season, and that's specifically because he does not tie emotional reason to the way that the Earth circulates. That doesn't make any sense. Um, so he doesn't have a favorite season. He just enjoys being able to live through all of them and accept them as something that is entirely natural in the way that the world is supposed to operate. He's very fun at parties, is what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah. Brian's, Brian's a blast at parties. But oh only if you God. spike the punch. 
<laughs> oh, oh my god. Ooh, good Question, to know. Does Brian spike the punch, or is he afraid of authority to the point where he would avoid that? The problem with having Brian drink spiked punch is that you have to first go to a party to ingest spiked punch. This and so true. therefore, it's not going to happen. <laughs> he would not be drinking alcohol, but if the if the punch got spiked, he would accidentally drink it. And then that's a whole... There you go. That's a double... You got a double Brian fact, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Oh, man. Nobody wants to deal with a drunk Brian. He already just throws his opinions out there. You want him to do it unfiltered? That's, Absolutely that's not. That's a mistake. Oof. We've all had a drunk Brian at one point. <laughs> We've all been lives. a drunk Brian at one point. That's true. No, we haven't, actually. Not all of us. <laughs> all, of us Riley. all of us bit you, Riley. <laughs> yeah. And my name is Riley Wesson, and I am this campaign's Dungeon Master. Um, and my favorite season probably would have to be fall as well i just think the leaves are pretty though i mean it is texas so we don't really get much of that leaf color changing Mm -mm. it's just kind of like all the leaves die we get we get two weeks of beauty slash four days of beauty. i really like those i really like that two week that two week block yeah, that's my that's your, my your spot. favorite two two weeks out of the fifty two. <laughs> Man, I I look forward to the I got I, I got my calendar. I'm marking it down. Like, it's coming. It's coming. Oh! <laughs> Riley's got fifty weeks of misery surrounded by two weeks of pretty leaves. <laughs> <laughs> Last session, the students headed back to the wizard with the items they had procured. But once they arrived, Rufus was nowhere to be found. Instead, Frederick greeted them once more, saying that the wizard was resting and needed this potion as soon as possible. While he took care of things, the students spent a ton of time poking around the place, discovering everything from fantasy smut to drugfish to three different rooms with no plot-related payoff. Finally, Brian went into Frederick's study and, after a multitude of poor investigation rolls, found his journal. <laughs> After skimming through it, it was apparent that Frederick had some serious issues and was in cahoots with some unknown entity. After some debate as to what they should do, they were discovered by Frederick, who summoned a nightmare to keep them occupied while he tried to escape. Quite a bit of fighting and chasing took place until Cecil and Brian caught up to Frederick, who was standing in an activated teleportation circle in one of his extensive secret basement rooms. Cecil cast Charm Person, and the two of them tried to convince Frederick to step out of the circle and come with them, but he uttered the phrase, No one can help me now, and vanished in a flash of light, which is where we pick up now. So you guys are in the remains of this unruly room with papers scattered all about the place, uh, bookshelves tipped over, and James and Victoria are back out in more of the entryway area where they were trying to deal with the nightmare. Brian, are you okay? Um, are you I'm good? Not. How many fingers am I holding up? I'm gonna hold up three fingers. Three. Okay, cool. What year is it? You know what, Cecil? If you can tell me what year we're supposed to be in right now, I'll give you the bonus points. I'm doing a concussion. T- this isn't for points. I'm not. This isn't a. I don't. Not, I don't understand. Not everything's a game, Brian. I, no, I'm not saying it is a game. Nor should it ever be. I am saying that I sat here and tried to do something about what was going on, and I put all of the emotional intelligence that I have mustered from you morons over the last however long we've been together, and then that person disappeared, and now you think I have a concussion? Are you okay? No! I'm obviously not okay. I'm freaking out over here. I rest my case. And Brian walks over against the wall and is just looking around the room. Well, I hear Brian. (laughs) I think we should probably head that direction. Yeah, I guess so. Do you think they found Frederick? 
I hope so. We walk over there, I guess. So you guys walk in, and you see Brian leaning against the wall with his arms crossed, and uh, Cecil kind of crouched down with his head in his hands, and uh, you do not see Frederick anywhere. I still have the book. I'm just kind of, like, clinging the <laughs> the book very tightly. Oh, Which one? <laughs> the Gods of the... Oh, okay. Gods of the Forgotten Fields. Brian tossed the the journal, right? Frederick's journal. He did actually, yes. Cool. Is it on the ground? No, it's flying away. Yes, it's on the ground. Great, amazing. Okay, I see that. I see Brian. I see Cecil rocking back and forth. No Frederick. Well, shit. Yeah. Uh, well, shit. Pretty much covers it, Victoria. You're a genius. Where have you been? Fighting a nightmare. Who crapped in your cereal, Brian? Brian thinks about it for a second, decides not to say the thing that he was about to say, puts his hood up, gets on his hands and knees, and starts crawling around the area where that transportation circle had been lit up to see if he can get any signs of what the heck was going on there. Uh, okay, I guess roll an arcana check. Oh, cool. Helpful. Uh, 12. Yeah, you don't quite understand what exactly happened. Uh, you can surmise that this was like some sort of ritual of sorts. While Brian's doing that, Victoria's gonna pick up the journal and start thumbing through it to see if she can find a journal entry that talks about where Mr. Wifflepuff is. Okay, roll an investigation check. Gotcha. 16. Yeah, you find one from, like, last night, and basically detailing that he took control of Mr. Wifflepuff while he was sleeping, and uh, took him to one of his laboratories, and it says where the others are. <gasps> you can assume that this laboratory is somewhere down here on this level of okay basement. Uh, she's just gonna tug on James's like on his sleeve and like pull him aside really quick. Okay, well Brian's not helpful because he's in a mood. Um, and she'll show him the journal entry. I I don't know what he means by others, but this is Frederick's journal, and we have to find Mister Wufflepuff. Okay. Do you want to help me look? Yeah, yeah. So, Victoria and James, yeah. y'all step out into this hallway, and there is one other door on the right side. You stepped out of the first door on the right. There's one yeah. other door on the right side, and there's three doors on the left side. Okay. So... Do you want to you try a door? I'll try a door? Uh, yeah, yeah. I go cool. to the left side, pull the first door open. Okay, uh, you pull it open, and it appears to just be a simple storage room, um, kind of similar to the one that Cecil and Victoria had stumbled on earlier upstairs. Mm. I'll go to the other one that's on the right. Okay, the second door on the right is a kitchen. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. Um, I'm going to peek in. Does it look like? Does it look like there's ample enough food and beverage and it looks like a well-stocked kitchen great i'll come back to that later and then she'll go over to another door on the left the third the third door on the left you open and you are greeted with the sounds of bubbling potions and a soft pulsing along with the sight of multiple tables in rows throughout the room six of them are filled one, you can see the wizard, Rufus Wifflepuff, laying on his back on it. Four others have the goblins that you saw. And then the sixth one uh, appears to have a middle-aged man that you can't quite recognize. Oh my god. James! James, James, James! And she's gonna run in, and she's gonna go to Mr. Wifflepuff first. Okay. 
As you approach, you can see that all of them are hooked up to sort of tubes that appear to connect to vials and machinery that seem to be monitoring something, uh, though you can't quite tell what. And the vials are very, very slowly filling up with this like purple silvery smoke. Ooh. And yeah, you walk up and uh, you see Rufus laying and he seems to be unconscious. Shit. Uh, laying on this table. Uh... I, I guess I'm just gonna, like, try to, like, wake him up if I can. Okay, uh, you kind of tap him, and it's apparent that something in these tubes is keeping him asleep. Okay. But if you'd like to try and disconnect them, you can attempt to make a medicine check. Yes, I would like to. Ooh. Okay. Oh, and, uh, Jackson, if you'd oh. like, James can use a help action, uh, and you can give her advantage on this roll, if you'd that like. That would be amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah, I would, yeah. I love to do that. Right. So yeah. Yes, that's a lot better. So a fifteen. Uh, yeah, it takes a little bit, but with James kind of helping you and pointing things out, uh, you slowly get these tubes detached. And the second you pull out the one that seems to be filling with this purpley silver smoke, yeah, it detaches and it kind of like ekes out just a little ew, bit, and ew, then ew, ew. and then it stops, and you slowly see Rufus start to kind of shift on the table. She's gonna rifle through her bag and get her water bottle out and, like, try to help him up. Mr. Wifflepuff? Yes? Hi. Sorry. Um, it's us from the other day. Uh, the four students who came to see you. Are are you okay? Uh, I've definitely been better. And she's going to hand him the water bottle. Okay, yeah, he gingerly takes it in his wrinkled hands and kind of starts to drink at it a little bit. You can see that as these tubes have been detached, the color is, like, quickly returning to his face. Good. Whoa, what? Where? Where exactly am I? I don't quite um, remember. So, I think you're in a laboratory, and... Frederick, like, kind of went off the deep end and went, like, crazy AF. So, um, but he's, he's gone for now. Um, and she's gonna give him the water bottle. She's gonna go and start unhooking, doing the same thing that she and James did for the goblins. He hobbles his way off of the table and, uh, his mind seems to be a bit quicker than when you had first met him. And he helps you undo the all the goblins. And then he makes his way over to the middle-aged man. He says, Oh, it's Bill Darrington. Hmm. That's what I thought. <sighs> uh, Wifflepuff? Oh, yes, yes. James picks up the flask that has the purple silver fluid. What is this? Oh, here, let me see it. Let me see. And he takes it from you and kind of looks at it a bit and he reaches into one of his pockets and he pulls out a wand and kind of waves it and mutters a few words under his breath. His eyes widen and he's, ooh. Hmm. I don't know quite what it is, but I know it can't, doesn't appear to be good. It's, it's honestly, it's beyond my, uh, my realm of knowledge, which can only mean this is some sort of new type of magic and I am not familiar with it at all 
and as he's as he's saying this, his hands are working, and you see Bill st- uh, slowly blink and sit up. Oh, God, where, where, uh, where am I? Oh, Mister, Mister Wifflepuff, uh, where have you brought me? Uh, this this should probably be better to uh, discuss upstairs, and he s- starts to. Uh, kind of move everyone that's in the room, the goblins included, up the stairs and out of the secret passageway. And before we continue there, is have Cecil and Brian done anything at the moment, or are they still ruminating in this room? I think Cecil's just started kind of reading from the book. I think he'll. I think he'll make his way out of the room. Yeah, Brian stands up, and as they walk out of the room, just puts his his hand on Cecil's shoulder and goes. Hey man, sorry. Not really sure why I got so pissed back there, but um, I I just I think I I really I, I don't know what the hell's going on these days, and that's really unusual for me. And I'm I'm kind of losing control a little bit, and I, that's just really hard on me. But um, I didn't mean to say that you were a moron just because you know less than I do. I just I I wanted to just say that that was a rude term for what I was thinking and then he puts his hood further over his face to hide his eyes and walks out of the room as quickly as he possibly can <laughs> he wraps his hood over and pulls the strings to where it's just like a tiny little <laughs> yeah. hole that he can see out of cecil roll a perception check for me real quick as you're walking out of the room 21 okay as you're walking and as you're nodding your head with what brian says and looking down at this book you see out of the corner of your eye this uh, pretty weathered piece of paper that's poking out from underneath a bookshelf. It seems to be a bit of a, a map of sorts, from what you can tell. Go take it. <laughs> okay. It's, you can actually see it's only half of a map, but uh, it appears to be a, a larger map of the Forgotten Fields. Than the small map that Frederick had drawn for you guys when you went to go after the jackalwares, and you can see that there are two circles and a, a purple ink over um, two different cities on the map, though there are no names on them. I'm gonna take a look at the rest of the bookshelf. I'm gonna try and rifle through the rest of the bookshelf. Okay, uh, roll me another investigation check, or actually roll me an investigation check first. Mm-hmm. On this it's not that uh, 15. Yeah, it's it's a pretty messy room. You don't see anything that looks like that other half of a map. Um, but you do see various notes and uh, scrawled out papers that seem to be in Frederick's hand. And you see one that appears to be um, an idea for a sort of magical creation that appears to be, from what's described, something to be similar to what one might call a luck potion. And it's a a list of ingredients that I have not yet determined. (laughs) All right. Do do any of the ingredients sound anywhere familiar at all? No, not to you. Are there are there any pictures, or is it just just a list? Although at the very bottom it does say milk. (laughs) Oh my god! Um, Water, milk. He gets uh, pretty excited for a half a second, but he's definitely going to take that. Great. So you guys all make your way back upstairs, um, and as you're kind of talking with Rufus and Bill and the goblins, I'm just going to kind of summarize because I 
don't want to have to juggle like six different sure, horses at no once. Worries. But essentially, Coward. <laughs> <laughs> um, but basically, Rufus takes everybody back upstairs. He makes some potions for everybody. I'll say that you guys all get a short rest. Yay. But Bill kind of explains that he had come to visit a week ago, but through circumstances was captured by Frederick, and Rufus did not remember because Frederick was fiddling with his memories. The goblins explained that that morning Frederick had actually come to them to visit uh, and he seemed to be pretty out of sorts and he was saying something about needing more experiments, needing more information. And so a battle ensued and he captured the four of them and uh, from what they can gather, took them back and began to experiment on them with whatever it was that he was doing. Bill thanks all of you guys and uh he basically is like i i'm very appreciative thank you so much um i really with how long i've been gone i really do need to get back to newcomers field um but here he reaches into his pocket and he pulls out um, a bag of gold and he pulls it open and empties it out and uh he ends up giving each of you guys 25 gold pieces and he says, this is this is all I have on me now, but I, it cannot be overstated how thankful I am for your help. Um, but I really should get back and deal with the town. Before Bill leaves, I'm going to try and go up to him and... Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what is it? Uh, whenever you get back to town, I, it might not be my place, but you, know, you might consider playing catch with your son every once in a while I um, I appreciate your words um, this experience has definitely shown me that uh, life can be a bit too short to be focusing on these sorts of uh, big things and uh, it's easy to forget the, the smaller important things in life so uh, I think I think I'll definitely take your advice on that yeah cool bye <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Bill pats you on the shoulder and uh, turns and walks off with the uh, with the downright immigrants band down the road and um, out of sight. And as you guys are all kind of finishing up your tea and such, uh, Rufus says, "Oh yes, yes. Well, um, hmm. So I know that uh, Bill gave you his uh, his own um, payment of sorts." Well, I don't quite have uh, a ton of gold to give you. I do have um, some some fun things that I think uh, may be able to help you along the way. Um, I'll be I'll be right back. And he turns and shuffles his way uh, down the hall. I don't really know what he's going to go get, but I think we should probably ask him about um, the hand. Yeah, I as fun as this adventure has been. I'd like to go home. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. We're missing out on prom right now, and uh, that sucks. I mean, I kind of don't mind it here, but yeah, like no, like if you like want to get back for prom, whatever. Like, do you not have the date or something? <laughs> I had seven, um, but I wasn't gonna go to prom. You had seven dates to prom. Seven promposals, um, like two more than Tiffany. That's not the same thing as having seven dates. I turned them all down. I would have had seven dates. So you have no one taking you to prom. 
I wasn't planning on going to prom. It's stupid. Okay. James, do you have anyone taking you to prom? I was probably just going to end up taking myself. No, I dig that, honestly. That's pretty cool. I mean, but in, in a more, like, sad, lonely way as opposed to, like, a confidence way. Probably. <laughs> oh. Brian? What? Never mind. Um... <laughs> As you as you finish up this conversation, um, Rufus comes back with uh, with two boxes. They're they're like very tall and like almost like they're basically from where he's holding them. They're towering over his head, and he's oh, 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 here here we go. And he plops them down on the table, and he pulls off the one, and he pulls out um, what appears to be a bag um, that seems to be made of like almost like a khaki material, uh, and he says, "Oh uh, well." This here is uh, a bag of tricks. Um, you can uh, you can pull it out. Uh, you can reach in, pull it out, and uh, um, there's a, a a different chance of uh, a different animal appearing. Um, so he plops it down on the table. Uh, you can you can all decide who gets what. Uh, but I do have four items, so everyone can get one. Victoria just stares at Cecil. Brian nudges Cecil with his elbow and goes, the machines are taking over, man. You're irrelevant. What does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) Sadly, pick up the bag and just kind of, like, examine it. Okay, so, uh, Cecil, you gain a khaki bag of tricks. Uh, It works like a normal bag of tricks. You reach in and there's a small uh, fuzzy object inside, and when you throw it, uh, you roll a, I believe it's a D8, and there, and whatever number you roll corresponds with whatever kind of animal appears. Oh. The only other thing, though, is you also roll a D10, and if you roll a 1 or a 10 on the D10, whatever animal appears is a giant-sized creature. Ooh. <laughs> That's useful. The next thing Rufus pulls out, uh, hmm, let's see. Oh, yes. This here is, uh... It's a dog whistle. Um, and he puts it down. Yes, it's um, it works quite nicely though. It uh, it it calls a dog. That seems like another Cecil thing. <laughs> Guys, oh this no, is the best day greedy. ever. Don't be greedy now. Only one for everyone. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm not like a big animal person, so you guys. Well, here, let me let me see the others. Um. Yeah, this is. He pulls out a a crystalline looking ring. Um, he says, uh, "Ah, yes, this is a uh, a ring of diamond defense." And he puts it down. He says, uh, "It should make you um, much harder to um, be damaged." Guys, these are all for me. <laughs> <laughs> Brian rolls his eyes and looks at James and goes, "He's one of those kids that gets more than one gift at Christmas, isn't he?" <laughs> It's only because my parents love me. Oh! Brian puts his hood up and sits down. James <laughs> somehow does a spit take, even though there's nothing in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Victoria's like, someone's <laughs> gonna take the title for meanest in this group, and it's not gonna be her. <laughs> and then finally he reaches in, uh, and he pulls out what appears to be a small-looking little hand puppet. Um, it's like sort of green and it has like a, like 
two little small horns and like it has like a one button eye and then the other eye is kind of missing and just kind of like some stitching there and he says oh it's oh yes i bought this at a a thrift store years ago i i believe the shopkeeper called him lil gus yes if i remember correctly it uh, it allows the wearer to throw their voice and um it uh, makes them a bit more persuasive Victoria just like slowly reaches towards it and just looks at everybody with a big smile and like scooches him back. <laughs> Brian grabs the dog whistle. James grabs the ring and puts it on. Okay, uh, so the second you put this on, your AC increases to 40. Um, Holy shit balls. But what? as you put it on, you turn completely into a diamond statue <gasps> and you cannot move or do anything. Oh my god! Um, you have disadvantage on all saving throws, um, except for constitution, I believe, uh, and you cannot move. Oh! Oh! James! Oh, dear. James! Oh! That's right, yes. Um, here, here. And Rufus quickly hops off of his chair and walks over to James and just, and the ring slides off perfectly, and as he pulls it off, your uh, AC returns to normal and you, you drop your diamond covering. He says, ah, yes, that's why it was in my um, le- less popular collection. Victoria sets down the puppet. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like... I, I mean, it does work. It's uh, It might be a bit more of a uh, something to use in combination, I guess. Um, you know, sort of one person puts it on, another person pulls it off, that sort of thing. Um, but, uh... <laughs> oh, yes, uh, one more thing. And <laughs> he <laughs> pulls out the other box. And he says, um, these, uh, I believe this was, uh, something that Frederick was working on. I've checked it myself. It's nothing evil of the sort, but it's, it's something backward that he was working on when he was, um, better, let's say. And he reaches in and he pulls out what appear to be four plush toys. <laughs> and there, he, he pulls out one and it is, uh, it is like a, looks almost like a dire wolf. And he pulls out another, and it's a a long serpent-looking uh, creature, but it has, like, wings attached. Uh, he pulls out another one, and it's this beautiful little soft unicorn. And then he pulls out the last one. It appears to be what might be like a griffin, but instead of, like, a lion's body, it has the body of what looks to almost be like an alpaca for some reason. Um, he says, ah, yes, that one... He got a little bit experimental with that. Um, but, uh, yes, these are, uh, I believe he called them cuddle monsters. And, um, to describe how these work, um, mechanically, essentially, I took this idea from the, uh, Not Another D&D podcast. Uh, to anybody who listens, it's very similar to, uh, Beverly Togo's Amulet. Um, but everyone gets one. And they all have one charge that they recover once per short rest. So once per short rest, uh, a character can can hug the, uh, the cuddle monster for one of the following effects. Uh, either a warm, soft sensation envelops you, like being draped in a, clo- in a cozy blanket, and you can expend up to half of your hit dice to regain hit points equal to the amount rolled, plus your constitution modifier. Um, or a chilly, tingly feeling washes over you, like taking a dip in a cold pool on a hot day. You regain a number of points equal to 1d6, and you can utilize these points as you wish to recover spell slots. So, essentially, you, if you roll a d6 and you roll a 4, 
Yeah, uh, you can use those four points however you want. Uh, one spell, a first level spell slot will be one point. A second level spell slot would be two points. So you could recover That's like, dope. two second level spell slots, four one level spells, wow. four first level spell slots, so on and so forth. Uh, this effect increases to two d six at level four, three d six at level eight, four d six at level twelve, five d six at level sixteen, and six d six at level eighteen. And the really nice thing about this is this actually can be used as a bonus action. Hey. Um, <gasps> So, again, it's kind of to help things um, move a bit quicker. So it's not like, oh, after a big fight, you're like, oh, gosh, I have to go take a short rest now kind of thing. Nice. Um, So he says, uh, so, yes, you can each uh, take one of these as well. Victoria is going to look at everybody, like square her shoulders, hold her head high and grab that fucking unicorn. Brian grabs the coatl snake. James grabs the dire wolf. What's that over there? Is he still points to just a different direction? <laughs> Roll a deception check. <laughs> Five, and then grabs the, the alpaca. <laughs> grabs the alpaca. Um, I think, I think Frederick would want you to have these. I think uh, you'll be able to make very good use of them. Uh, Sisa stands up, gives a little side eye to Brian, nods slightly, takes out a notebook. So when did this start? When did Freddy start acting weird? You said a few months ago? Um, if if I remember correctly, uh, your friend over there, and he points to Victoria, uh, he, she does appear to have Frederick's journal that um, okay. details this information. <laughs> okay, good. Were you considering detective as your career? No, but you... That seems to be something that that you're into, so I just thought... Oh, oh, you're bonding. Okay, I'm sorry. I misunderstood what was happening. <clears throat> so, Mr. Whifflepuff, um, <laughs> she just, like, rolls her eyes at the boys. We we didn't really get to ask you before because, you know, things were kind of weird and I guess Frederick, like, you know, was kind of, like, messing with your memory and everything. Um, do you know someone by, she goes by, like, the name The Hand? Like, redhead, gorgeous, like, super, like, southern drawl. Solid 10. Yeah, solid 10. <laughs> <laughs> but also, like, super evil. A zero on the nice scale. The hand. Uh, let me see. Possible aliases include the foot. Oh, my God. She seems to be studying um, all kinds of stuff. She was particularly interested in us because of the quote-unquote plane we come from, and she may or may not have tricked us into signing, um, what was it, a contract of planar binding? As you say that, Frederick's eyes, like, that are like usually squinted, like open really wide, he goes, ooh, ooh that's, uh, yeah. that's not good. Uh, I mean, like, I've um, only, like, I've watched a bunch of movies that, like, have to do with, like, fantasy worlds and all that shit, but we are not from here. Mm. And we're yes. trying to get back. Could you possibly well, help us? Uh, at the moment, unfortunately, no. Uh, something as strong as a contract of planar binding. The only sort of way to get out of that would be to either destroy the contract itself or kill the uh, the other signee. Um, 
As far as I know, I don't, I'm not familiar with any other way to break that sort of contract. I've never met this hand personally, but I have heard word of her. Um, she is a vicious uh, lore hunter of sorts, appears in the most unlikely of places, gathering magical artifacts, um, whatever sort of information she can find. Um, she is certainly not someone to be messed with. It's uh, quite unfortunate that she's one of the first people that you met. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Her job is, like, super cool. Oh, super cool, yes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. She kind of, like, screwed us over really big. Would you say that she's a handful? (sighs) James does a spit take. (laughs) James, where do you keep getting this water? (laughs) We have tea. So... My, uh, my recommendation would be to, um, I guess, travel to more towns and possibly try to find as much information on this hand as you can. Maybe you may or may not come across her, but, um, if there's any, this is any indication with, uh, the situation with Frederick, there may be something much, much darker and much more powerful that's his threatening forget- forgotten fields than one simple lore hunter. Do you also know anything about, like, evil mascots? I mean, you guys remember we saw Wally the Warlock straight up, like, def- almost defeated the hand, right? Like, I wasn't seeing things, right? Oh, no. I remember that. Um, yeah, that was... Honestly, I was kind of, like, still freaking out at that point, so half of me wasn't entirely sure that that was real. So basically, like, our our mascot from our school was, like, fighting the hand, and we, like, escaped just in time. Um, but I'm just curious if you know anything about creatures like that. Did you see who was inside the mascot? No. I mean, did you just think it was an inanimate mascot costume that was fighting off this woman? Maybe. Ryan's eyes get really large, and then he pulls his hood over his head because that is exactly what he thought was happening. <laughs> it's like a really bad episode of Scooby-Doo. Y'all, everyone roll a roll an intelligence check. Okay. Let's say. 23. Uh, 22. Um, six. <laughs> <laughs> Shocker! James and Victoria, you're still reeling from the fact that there was somebody inside of that mascot costume. While uh, <laughs> Brian and Cecil, you guys remember that whenever you saw whoever was inside this mascot fighting, the types of arcane energy that he was fl- that he was throwing seemed to have that same sort of purple silver color. That's what color. I thought. That you saw inside of the vials in Frederick's study. This case is cracked wide open, Brian. Oh yeah? What's the solution, Cecil? I mean... Brian Brian just waits. No, because I found... So, there are apparently these really powerful entities. Like our own god from home. And there are more of them, and they've been giving us magical powers. 
I'm sure you've seen all the magical powers that we've been able to... You've done some really cool shit recently. Brian stands up a little straighter because no one has ever called him cool. And if so, okay, if there are these good things, there have to be bad things. That's just yin and yang. That's just the conceptual, that's, that's, there's always that in theology throughout the entirety of history. Mankind has always struggled with the dichotomy of good and evil. So if there are these good things, there's got to be these bad things. That's what Frederick was dealing with, the bad things. And if there are similar color schemes, that's just either, maybe the bad thing just has a really good sense of fashion. Fashion? The... I, I was, Cecil, I, you were doing really well. I was following you all the way through the good and evil having a fashion sense. Well, okay, I meant like in a marketing scheme, like... All the same colors, yeah. Yeah, so, okay, maybe we might not have enough information to sort of like unravel this, but I mean, this is... Brian, in your father's books... Yeah. Has he ever dealt with anything that has like... I don't know, dealt with this the, the, the like super supernatural phenomenon, or is it just strictly like Oh yeah, he know. writes he, he tried he tried writing one book that had more like supernatural, like paranormal kind of entities in it. Um it didn't do very well, so he's he sticks more to the to the serial killer thing. But yeah, I I, I mean I read it when he wrote it. Cause his I I mean, I don't know. It's not likely that your dad has I don't know, ever been here. That would be weird. Mm, but mm-hmm. I agree with you. The similarities can't be—I mean, it can't be too dissimilar. I mean, paranormal things are paranormal whether they're on our plane or this plane. That feels weird to say. No, I mean, I, I think that's the definition of paranormal. So you're doing quite well, Mister Wifflepuff. Question. Yes. Yes. Have mm. you ever heard of people from another plane, like finding their way here? Um. It's certainly not uh, an incredibly common thing, but um, there have certainly been cases of people stumbling through uh, one of the multitude of planes that exist. Like, like, so we're not like the only ones. Like, it could have happened before. Potentially. I, I know, I've never personally met uh, someone from y- your plane, uh, but that doesn't mean that it hasn't happened. Do you all have a Mr. Tumnus here? Oh my gosh. Oh, you mean, uh, oh, you, you, you mean, uh, shit. <laughs> Fuck, ah, I'm so bad at it. <laughs> Damn it. Threw you a curveball. <laughs> I lost it. No, I, oh, I, I thought I had it. <laughs> yeah, he's over there right by the lamppost. Come on, Ryan. <laughs> I'm sorry. You just see wheels turning in Victoria's head and, like, it's the meme of just, like, the calculations and she, like, whips out her journal and she starts writing something down. Um, we've cracked this case wide open. How exactly? The Wally the Warlock thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that that wasn't Wally the Warlock. That was something that was manifesting from our end of the wormhole. Because I pull I pull out the quantum physics book and I tap the <laughs> front of that really quickly, put it back. Something manifested, reached into our side of the wormhole, pulled that out, and manifested. Whatever that was, also messed with Fred. I mean, to figure out what that was. my mom teaches people how to manifest shit. I don't know who in their right mind would sit there and like actively want to manifest like this big evil, you know, mascot thing. From what I can gather, um, I would say that it appears that this is something that uh, comes on to people a bit unexpectedly. 
Um, from Frederick's case, it it came to him uh, in the case of deep despair um, and a, a an incredible longing to achieve something, a sort of goal or a dream, perhaps. It seems to be something that takes advantage of unwilling people. Victoria just looks at all the guys and, like, trying to figure out which one is the most depressed and could turn on them. Brian locks eyes with Victoria and does not blink. She doesn't either. (laughs) She just looks you up and down. Well, uh... Mr. Um, Yes. I'm sorry, were you about to divulge more information? Because if not, I was going to ask you a question. Oh, well, what were you you going to ask me? It might cause me to divulge something else that I wasn't expecting to divulge to begin with. Well, if you are unable to divulge any further information... That will help us along our way in our current juncture. Perhaps you can divulge the information of the names of these places. That's <laughs> say divulge one more fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can certainly I'm divulge this. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, I'm going to spread out the map. Uh, oh. So there are oh. these two. I mean, it's not. No, oh my god, it's purple! Is labeled. Look, okay, but these two are purple. Same color theme. It's just ink. Still. Another clue, right? We've cracked this case wide open, you guys. Yeah, yeah, Victoria. Yeah, no, 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 Victoria. No, that's very good. That's I love it's it. Totally. I love it. Hmm. That's Let me see. And he he looks at he looks at uh the map. This here, and he points at a small little uh a appearance of a town. He says, "Well, this I can see that this is Newcomer Field, and we're about here." And he kind of points to a point like a little bit away from that. If my memory is serving me correctly, which now it is, um, I believe this here, he points to the circle that's um, that seems to be closest to where you guys are. Um, I would say, I believe this is Spiteful Field. And this over here, he points at the other one. This, uh, yes, I believe that to be Bummer Field. Oh my god. So I would say that... Did you find this uh, with Frederick's things? Uh, yeah, and it's not. It doesn't look like it's complete. It looks like. Oh yes, this this is only this is only half a map of Forgotten Fields. I can definitely tell that. But I would, I would have to surmise that um, there is something in these two towns that Frederick was interested in, or whatever Frederick was dealing with was interested in. They sound awful. Well, you know, it's a name. What's in a name? Well, an apt description of what the thing is, in most cases. Mister Whipplepuff, have you ever? Do you know Shakespeare? They have to have Shakespeare in this world. This place is just you don't, too much of a. Do you have Shakespeare? <laughs> well, there was a there was a, a goblin warrior who was known for shaking his spear in battle, but um, oh my God, that's exact. That's most of. Fuck! I'm so bad at this. <laughs> That's entirely in character. Whipplepuff is just trying to to riff with the boys. He drops the whole thing. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Ah, shit. And, oh, fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, out of these two, where, where would you suggest going first? What has... Well, from what I can see, uh, and from what I know, Spiteful Field is a bit closer. Okay. Um, you can see that Spiteful Field seems to be the closest one. It's a little bit north of where you guys are, and um, Bummerfield appears to be a little bit further north, uh, northeast of that. 
It seems like there's some sort of uh, some sort of force that seems to be pointing you in the direction of those two towns. <laughs> um, it's uh, well... it's evident to me that it might be useful for you to pursue those two uh, areas. You don't want to chat with us for another three hours, Mister Wolf. Fuck no. <laughs> Okay, no, okay. you're right. We should, we Victoria should gets the hit. Rest. Yeah. And she'll like start ushering the guys out. Oh, before I forget, and he pulls in he reaches into his hand and he pulls out uh he pulls out a small little slab. Um it has like a just a circle on the back. Mm-hmm. Um he says, uh, here, take this. It's um it's it's an orange stone, and it's uh if you'd like to get in contact with me, you can uh you can speak into it and I can uh I'll hear you on mine, and he holds it up, and it's a little bit bigger than yours, and seems to be a bit of a nicer model, but, you know, you'll take what you can get. Orange stone. That's awesome, Mr. Whippapuff. Thank you. It's an orange stone X. Yeah. <laughs> I waited out all night for this one. Um, <laughs> oh, only cost me so $20,000. You <laughs> <laughs> so you guys pile into the van, and you start making your way down the road from the directions that uh, Whifflepuff gave you guys. Mm-hmm. Brian's driving. Brian was in the driver's seat. Victoria's going to go as far into the back as she can get. Okay. And she's going to attempt to make a phone call. Roll, uh, just roll a d20. I believe you have to roll higher than a four. Yeah, I believe so. Oh, come on. Don't screw me over. No. That was a two. Aww. You pull out your phone and you start to dial and the red battery symbol appears. Shit. And your phone dies in your hands. Is there? Please tell me there's a plug in. Nope, no plugs in this car. No, no, my phone can't die that soon. She's James notices that having she, a panic attack. You know, it have yeah, having a panic attack, and so he reaches in for his phone, and he kneels down to Victoria and he hands it to her. Thank you, James. Okay, uh, roll a d twenty. Me again. Yes. No, I don't want to. No. What Why did you can't roll? James roll? It's his phone. <laughs> so you had to roll higher than a one. I rolled a one. So Victoria rolls Whoa. a one, and Do I have a plus pulls anything? out his phone and starts to dial, and that phone dies as well. Fucking hell. Y'all, we need to go visit a Radio Shack stat. <laughs> James, I'm really sorry. Um, I guess your phone's okay. dead too. But thank you. It was important. Um, as you guys are driving along, uh, and Victoria accidentally burns through two phones, you do hear a ringtone from up front, and Cecil, your phone is ringing in your pocket. Who is it? It is your father, Richard McNamara. Uh-oh. Hey, what's up, Dad? Hey, champ, how's it going? It's going great. Um, hey, I might be a little bit late to, uh, practice later oh well no that's uh that's actually what i wanted to call you about um i uh i had something come up at the uh at the church and so uh i'm gonna have to stay a bit late coach johnson is gonna be taking over practice uh but i uh talked with jake's parents and uh he said that they're gonna they're gonna give you a uh, ride back from practice and so you're gonna just carpool with them and uh, i'll be home a little bit late tonight but okay. um Cool. What's up? Cool. You 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 doing okay? Yeah. No. Um. Doing fine. I understand. You're you're probably a little bit uh a little bit psyched up for prom tomorrow, aren't you? Tomorrow? Yeah. Tomorrow. Prom. 
yeah, um, no, just, uh, just chilling, having a good time, not super stressed about it. It's gonna be great. Okay, well, uh, well, I guess I'll, I'll see you later tonight then, okay? Yeah, yeah, uh, have, have fun at, at church, hope everything goes well. Hope you change some hearts, Dad. Oh, you know I will. We're all about second chances. Yeah. Well, uh, hope practice goes well. I'll, uh, I'll see you at home, champ. Thanks, champ. And he hangs up the phone. Third time's a charm. Hey, Cecil! (laughs) 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 Seems like your phone's working. Um, any chance I can borrow your phone? Uh, yeah. Thanks, Cecil. That's a fifteen. Okay, I I was gonna say since it since it was since it just took a call and everything, I wasn't gonna make you roll. Thank for you. Because it, it was already on. So mad. Okay. Uh, who are you calling? I'm calling Paps. Uh, yeah. You hear the you hear the line ring a few times. Uh, yeah, hello, hello. Hey, Paps. Oh, Victoria. What the? What are you calling me for? What's what's going on? Well, I just. Wanted to make sure you saw all of the food that I prepped for you in the fridge. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes, I did. Thank Good. you very much. Um, and I wanted to let you know, uh, I'm going to be, I'm not going to be going to prom this weekend, but I'm going to be spending it with a couple of, like, gal pals. I guess we're going to do, <sighs> I guess it's, like, super popular in Texas to get, like, a beach house down in Galveston. So, yeah, I'm just going to be, I'm going to be, that's where I'll be for the weekend. No big deal. Uh, I just wanted to let you know I'm okay. Well, I would have preferred you uh, you told me this in person when you got home from school today, but... Um, I know, I'm sorry. Well, I hope you uh, have a good time this weekend. Thanks, Paps. Take care of yourself, okay? Alright, I will. You too. I'll talk to you later. Alright, love you. Love you too. Bye. She'll hang up the phone. James listens to that conversation and looks at Victoria and says, you know, you should show that side of yourself more often. I don't know why. <laughs> um, do you know for anything else, Victoria? Or um, actually, can I use your web browser really quick? Sure, yeah. Okay, this I am going to make you roll a d okay. okay. Brandon, do you know what your phone's at? I think the only time I had used it, you hadn't actually made me roll. Okay, I'll say it's a one. Well, I rolled a twenty because that's gonna be my only. Well, good in roll. in that case, I'll say that the next time that you that you would have to roll for it, Brandon, it's it's it will stay at a one because she rolled a twenty. It conserved enough battery power. Okay, what are you looking for? She's just gonna log in to something on her phone, on his phone, and just check something really quick. Take out her journal, write something down, log out, clear his web browser, and hand his phone back. You son of a god, I was gonna go check my web browser <laughs> no. history. No. Oh, she's, she's smarter she's than way that. smarter than that. She just used that incognito tab, you know? <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm gonna kick my feet up on the dash. <clears throat> 99 bottles of beer on the wall. Oh, my 99 god. bottles of beer. Brian's arm shoots across the passenger side and covers his mouth before he can finish <laughs> the next number. <laughs> <laughs> I lick your hand. (laughs) Brian hits the brakes just enough to make Cecil jerk forward and then keeps going as if nothing happened. (laughs) Roll a dexterity check. 
Dexterity saving throw. Yeah, saving throw. Five. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah, your your face slams into the dashboard. Alright, just trying to make things fun on this family trip. <laughs> As you shout that, you guys crest over a hill and you see a river off the side of the road and a wagon that's pulled up next to the water in a small grove of trees. Hold up, Brian, slow down. You wanna hop out and check it out or are we just gonna keep going on to what was it? Bitter 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 town? Bitter Spiteful Spite field. Field. Spiteful field. Spiteful field. As you as you slow down, you you see these words painted on the side of the wagon. Um and it's in this really gaudy, bright font. Uh and it says Stanley's Spectacular Swords. Ooh. Fun. Hey, you guys can get some like real swords now. I have a real sword. Okay. <laughs> Victoria's been looking out like the the I guess she's crawled forward to like see out the back window. She's like, Yeah, that seems fun. So she's gonna open it up, sling her bag over her back, and head that direction. I guess someone has to go protect her. Put my backpack on and I'm gonna go out. (laughs) I'm gonna kill him. I'm gonna kill him. I'm so glad she didn't hear that. As you guys both hop out and Cecil kind of jogs behind you, you hear this rustling in the trees that are nearby. Um, She's got her bow and arrow. Well, put your put your bow and arrow down. No one here is trustworthy. First, you see this pretty small, like, like less than three foot tall guy start to make his way out and has kind of like salt and pepper hair and these like half moon spectacles on the bridge of his nose. And he's got some traveling clothes on, uh, but underneath this cloak, you you can see he's got like a pair of overalls. Um, But the thing that really catches your eye is this creature that he's pulling behind him that appears to be attached to uh, a rope and you can't quite see it at first, but it seems to have the like the 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 silhouette and like the hulking body of a bear. But as it makes its way out, it has the giant head of an owl yes! on the end of it. Yes. Um, and the man makes his way out, and he sees, "Whoa! Hey! 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 Oh! Hey! Put that down there! Yeah! Put yeah! Yeah! Down. Sorry! Don't sorry! To... Sorry! Sorry! Um, just Roger you know, rustling in the, the woods, like never. Roger gets a bit spooked. Well. I understand. I understand your fear, but uh, I mean. She puts Roger here, you don't want him to go on a rampage. Roger. Uh, well, howdy. How do you do that? Name, name Cecil. What's your name? Ah, well, Stanley Swiftbottle, owner of Stanley's Spectacular Swords. Nice to meet you. Nice to and meet you, too. Nice to meet you, Roger. I put up a hand to Roger. This thing looks at it and looks at you and goes... <gasps> that was a good joke. Roger knows some pretty good jokes. That's pretty as cool. They're, as they're talking about this, Brian gets out of the van and walks up behind Victoria and Cecil. Oh, Looks like uh, looks like your party's a bit bigger than I expected. Would you folks be interested in any uh, any of my wares? I have plenty of swords inside my wagon over here. <laughs> Where <Sure>. are they? <laughs> <laughs> good one, good one. Thanks. You you also see though that on that he's he's car- he's pulling this leash, but he also seems to have this box that's kind of jiggling inside. He says, "Oh, sorry. Let me let me get these let me get these put up." And you can kind of hear these like small voices coming he's like hey fuck you fuck you hey let us out of here let us out hey come on come on let us out of here stanley what is that what is oh, that uh, this what this what are those things well i i hadn't expected to uh, come along these but um they're veggie pygmies found them out in the woods that sounds like a slur <laughs> well i can show you it is not they're uh small little creatures but um they have 
regenerative properties. But I can assure you that these fellas are not quite to be trifled with. And you hear them, fuck you! Hey, I'm gonna kill you! I'm gonna kill you! I'm gonna fucking kill you! That sounds like a, that sounds like a baseball locker room. I, that, it's, <laughs> I'm totally around that type all the time. Uh, well, these, these fellas, uh, they're pretty mean, so I'm gonna keep these with the professionals. But I'd be more than happy to show you some of my wares. And he, uh, goes over to the wagon and hops inside, opens up the front, and puts his hands on the front. He says, well, what would you like from Stanley's Spectacular Swords? What, what you got, Stanley? <laughs> I'm assuming that he has swords. But... Actually, as he opens the front, you can see that there are, like, a few swords in there, but most of the things that are inside appear to be almost, like, from a thrift store. You know what? I apologize, Brian. I, I was a little snippy with that quick. <laughs> I guess he doesn't have... He's, like, three... In this wagon, you're seeing, like, candles, and you see, like, what appears to be an apple. You see a broom in the back. Um, you're seeing, like, rope and various flasks of sorts. Though, hanging at the very top appears to be a pistol. Victoria pops up, and she goes, how much for that? What? That? Yeah. Oh, you mean my you mean my shooting sword? Yeah, your shooting, shooting sword. sword. There's this revolver over the top, but you also see in the corner what appears to be, like, the barrel of almost like a shotgun. Um, actually, how much for that? Oh, my boom sword! Your boom sword, yes! Unfortunately, this thing here isn't quite working. I, uh, I got it from a artificer fellow a few months ago, but, uh, mm. wasn't quite up to speed with it myself and couldn't quite make it work. I mean, I can give it to you if you'd like, you can kind of tinker with it and try and figure it out. Um, yeah, I would... I'd, I'd love that. It gets a hunk of metal out of my wagon, and he hands it over to you, and it does appear to be a single-barreled shotgun, but is very much in disrepair. Do you have um, any of the sword pellets that go in the shooting sword? Uh, hmm. Well, I've only got pellet swords for my shooting sword right here. And he points sure. to the revolver. I, I do have any fishes down the in the corner, there's like a crumpled up piece of paper. He says, well, I do have, um, this was the paper that the artificer fellow gave me when he handed off the boom sword to me. It appears to be some sort of schematic for it. Great. If you're willing to part with it, I'll take it off your hands. I have no idea how to work it, so be my guest. Do you have any, like, mistletoe or something like that? Or mistletoe swords? Oh, Anything yes, like yes. That? I don't have any of those kinds of things, but uh, I do believe I saw some some mistletoe out in the forest over there. Actually, there's some there. I think there might be some over on that tree down there. And there's like a tree uh, in the grove as well. All right. <laughs> I'm going to cut some off with my my survival knife. Cool. As you walk over there, you guys all hear this jostling from the back and you hear a loud <laughs> this explosion and uh, Stanley jumped. What? Galloping goblins! What on earth was that? You guys peek around the side of the wagon and you can see that the box that the Veggie Pygmies oh, were inside no. has tipped over. Oh, and oh, no. all four of them had made their way out. Ha! Fuck you! Told you! Told you! I'm gonna ruin your business! And the, you <laughs> see, along with the Veggie Pygmies, you see eight frogs hop out, but they don't seem to be normal frogs. They seem to have, like, burning coals on their back. Oh, cackling kobolds! They got the exploding toads! And from the explosion, you hear behind you, hoo, 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 and Roger oh, no. is now freaking out. 
and starting to rampage all around the grove. And oh, no, 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 no. Everyone roll initiative. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. No. No, no. Dang. That's Damn, not good. He's rolling terribly today. Stanley says, oh, look, look. I need those exploding toads. I need them for uh, for some of the uh, some of my various swords that I'm working on. I need you to try and capture as many of those as possible. The veggie pygmies, fuck them, kill them. They say, hey, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> and he says, look, little lady, you seem to be pretty interested in my shooting sword up there. If you can capture six of those toads for me, I'll give it to you for free. Gotcha, can do. Okay, so what did everybody roll? Ten. Daniel, uh, Brian rolled a five. So he rolled a three. What did Jackson? What did James roll? Uh, Fourteen. Fourteen. Oh, okay. okay. At least, at least one of us is confident. <laughs> so first up is going to be the exploding toads, and what I'm going to do for these, I'm going to, I'm going to roll a d8, and that's going to determine how many of them act or try to do anything. Okay. Okay. So two of them are going to jump at James. Did James come out of the car though? No, I've I've been standing like in the doorway of it. In that case, uh, they jump at Brian. Hey, because James isn't there. No, I hear I hear the logic. I'm just upset about it. <laughs> what is what's your AC again? Um, fifteen. Okay, they roll the fourteen. Ooh. So they try to jump at you, but you you block with your locker and they bounce off. That takes us to James up in the car. He just sees this menagerie of creatures. Can I shoot? So. They said the pygmies fuck them, right? Yeah, uh, yes. Wow. Can I hit one of them from here? You can. Yeah, so you can you can hit one of them. What is their AC? I can't. I'm not going to tell you that. <laughs> oh, well, no, I'm just one. <laughs> Wouldn't it be cool if you had? I don't know you anything. Uh, no, I, I rolled a six. Yeah, no, they... they be a lot cooler if you did. Fuck you, fuck you! Um, that takes us to the Vegapygmy's turn, and... They are all going to try and hide in the uh, around the tree that they're running towards. Wow, they have advantage and they roll a five. So they try and hide, but one of them ducks down and then the other one looks up and looks at Stan and goes, fuck you. And they're like, oh shit, what? you gave us away, you gave us away. So that takes us to Victoria. Um, He told me he would give me his shooting pistol. So I'm gonna go after those toads. It's a shooting sword. Shoot, I told you it's sword. a shooting sword. Shooting sword. Yeah, she's just gonna try to dive and grapple one of the toads. One of the toads? Yeah. Okay. Uh, roll, roll a drop check. No. 19. They roll the one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you you get your hands on one of them and it kind of scribbles around a little bit in your Does hands. Does he have a but, box uh, or a bag he, or something to put them in? Yeah, there are various vials and containers and you can kind of see uh, there was like a container that he was keeping the exploding toad. Can in. I put that one in the container? Yeah. Amazing. One down. Uh, that takes us to Roger's turn. And oh, no. Roger is going to take a swing at Cecil because he's probably the closest one to him. Uh, Buddy. And I'm the only one you can have a conversation <laughs> with. Roger. <laughs> Uh, and that, act, yeah, he gets a multi-attack, so he's going to attack once with his beak. Oh my and god, once I'm gonna die. <laughs> what is your AC, though? It's an 11. Uh, oh, buddy. Yep, he hit on both. <laughs> yeah, I rolled a 5 and a 6, but he has a plus 7 to hit. The beak does 13 damage, and the claws 
do. I rolled two eights, uh, so yeah, <laughs> that does twenty-one damage. Yeah, I'm unconscious. <laughs> shit. That takes us to Brian's turn. Well, um, I'm gonna look at Roger, and I'm just gonna say, "Chill," <laughs> and cast command. He rolled an eleven, so he. <laughs> And he hears you, and he looks, and he kind of flumps down on his butt. And Roger is chill. Uh, is there anything else you want to do? Yeah, I'm going to walk towards Roger and Cecil. Cool. So, yeah, you walk up next to Roger and Cecil. Um, that takes us to Stanley's turn. He's going to reach back, uh, and he's going to pull out a hammer from his uh, wagon. He's, uh, he's just, Good thing I uh, kept my smashing sword around. And he's going to run out and try and slam down on one of the Vegapygmies. And he's going to hit. And that is four damage to the Vegapygmy. Ah, fuck you! Fuck you! Fuck you! Um, that is Cecil's turn. Roll a death saving throw for me. Oh, no. You rolled a one? Hey everybody, it's Riley. I'm recording this after the fact because I realize now that in session we didn't actually explain death saving throws because it was Brandon and he's played before so I didn't think about it. But for those of you that aren't very familiar with D&D, basically a death saving throw uh, happens when somebody hits zero hit points, as Brandon did in this case. And so on their turn, they roll a d20, just a straight d20 roll, and if they get between a 1 and a 9, then that is considered a fail. If they get between a 10 and a 20, that is considered a success. And as usual, a 1 is an extreme failure, so that means two fails, and a 20 is an extreme success. So basically, you have to get either three successes or three failures. If you get three successes, you pop back up and you are alive. If you get three failures, you die permanently. Um, And so you basically make these throws until you succeed or fail or somebody else can heal you. So that is how death saving throws work. Sorry for the quick explanation. Back to the session. Cecil is now uh, one uh, failed Ah. death saving throw away from dying permanently. And that takes us back to the exploding toads turns. How many of them are going to act? Okay, so three of them are going to act this turn. Are they going to jump or are they going to bite? They are going to bite. Uh, So one of the exploding toads sees that Victoria captured one of its brethren and and jumps and tries to cling on to you and absolutely misses. So you kind of swat him away. I'm going to say he he failed so badly that you can just catch him out of the air and you can toss him into the box as well behind yes! you. Yes! <laughs> Kobe. Uh, and James, that's your turn. Well, I, I'm going to shoot one of the pygmies okay. again. Roll to attack. Uh, that's going to be 16. Okay, that'll hit. Roll damage. Uh, 11. Wow. Okay. Unfortunately, the Badger Pygmies have resistance to piercing damage. That does half damage. So that does five damage total. But that thing, one of the Badger Pygmies is almost dead. And he goes, ow, ah, shit. And that takes us to the Badger Pygmies' turns. And they are all going to try and swarm Stanley. So only one of them hits, but he did roll a crit. So he's going to try and throw a sling at him. And he does five damage to Stanley. But Stanley's a hardy guy. He's a hardy fella. Um, so he takes some of the damage. He goes, ah, I'm gonna kill you! I'm gonna kill you! 
Uh, and that goes to Victoria. Shit, shit. She's like looking at everything going on. She watched Cecil go down. She's going to run up to Cecil and cast Cure Wounds at a second level. Okay. So, eight hit points to you. Cecil, for a split second, could have sworn that he saw God. And then his eyes open and Victoria and Brian are standing over him. What the fuck, man? Get up. Thank you. That is Roger's turn. And now that he is chilled, he sees Stanley over there getting attacked by the Vegapygmies and his head perks up and he and runs after the Vegapygmies to try and stomp on one of them. He hits with his beak, but misses with his claws. And he does. Uh, he kills that Vegapygmy and it shrivels up on the ground and he is dead and then that is Brian's turn okay I'm gonna throw my butterfly net towards the fire frogs like like throw it from your hand <laughs> why would you do that or are you going to yeah. run over there and try and catch one of them <laughs> I'm gonna run. Over, I'm gonna run over there and like reach forward. And try okay. To catch it. I thought you were saying you were like throwing it like a throwing axe and hoping to catch one of them. <laughs> and I was about to say, roll it like the hardest disadvantage you ever yes. rolled. <laughs> um, no. Okay. Yeah. Roll to attack uh, and add your dexterity. Um, nineteen. Okay. So you definitely catch. Uh, I'm going to. There's six left right now. I'm gonna roll a d6 to see how many you catch. Big money, big money, big money. You catch two in your net. You have enough movement left to try and toss them in the box if you want to. Okay, I'm going to try and toss them in the box. Okay, you toss them in the box. Uh, <laughs> and they, okay. they land next to their other exploding told brethren and just kind of look at each other. Uh, and that is Stanley's turn. And he's going to try and smash one of the other Vegapygmies. He definitely hits. And I think I did a d8 for that. Wow, he does two uh, two damage to that one. Um, <laughs> he says, ah, you're weak as shit! He's just a very limp stone. <laughs> exactly. And that is Cecil's turn. Okay! <laughs> uh, okay, cool. I'm gonna take out my wand. I'm gonna bonus action. I'm gonna think of... I've thought of the spirit totems that I've done before really nice if we had one that helped us detect these veggie pygmies because they seem to be hiding all over the place. It's really great. I can heal myself at maximum healing as possible, so I'm going to summon the unicorn right next to the cart. <laughs> so, uh... Animal voices. Who knew? Everyone has advantage on ability checks to detect creatures. To detect, okay. Oh yay! Yeah, and for my action, I'm gonna touch myself. I'm gonna cast cure wounds. <laughs> okay, thank you for finishing that. You're just gonna, you're just gonna touch yourself in the middle of this field of yeah, everybody just, around. You guys see Cecil's hand reaching myself. a little bit lower and then just resting at his stomach. Absolutely you go, Okay, not. okay, okay. Absolutely not. We are not resting going that way. On my chisel pecs. <laughs> my chisel pecs. Jeez. Roll for healing. So 1d8 plus 7. Nice. Plus 7? Oh, because of the unicorn spirit. Yeah, that is 14 points of healing. There you go. 
Do you want to move it all, or are you just chilling over there? Um, I'm going to get under the cart. <laughs> nice. Yes. <laughs> this was a mulligan. I'm yep. just going to get under the cart and try not to get hit again. Incredible. Uh, and that is the toad's turn. And the two of them act. They miss again. Uh, they try and hop at you, but you still smack them away, and they are very frustrated because it is evident they want to die, uh, but you are <laughs> refusing to allow them to do so. Oh my god. Um, that takes us to James's turn. James is gonna uh, shoot one of the pygmies that is attacking uh, Stanley. Okay. Uh, rolled 17 to attack. That hits. Nice. Coming in clutch, man. James is just so great in combat and just terrible in everything else. Uh, nine damage. <laughs> okay. Uh, that does four damage to him, but he is not looking great. But that takes us to the Vegapygmy's turn, and you guys do notice that the Vegapygmy that Roger had crushed earlier seems to grow back. Regenerative property. Correct. And he comes back, and he says, Ah, you can't keep me down! I'm gonna kill you all! I'm gonna kill you all! Uh, and that is the Vegapygmy's attack. Okay, so two of them hit, two of them miss. They're going to try and claw at Stanley this time. 16 damage to him. Uh, you see Stanley's starting to look a little rough. <laughs> You're going to regret the day that you tried to capture us! Ah, we're going to kill you! And that is Victoria's turn. Cool, so looking at the Pygmies, she like points at those, and it's going to cast Bane. Okay. They have to roll a uh, Charisma 10 saving throw. Charisma 10. It's not It's not too hard, but... I would fail miserably. I don't think James is like any fucking... <laughs> One of the pygmies fails. Amazing. So that takes us to Roger's turn once more. He is going to go for these pygmies. Misses with his beak, but absolutely destroys with his claws he absolutely demolishes one of the ones that was at full health and it is dead on the ground but you realize if you don't do something particular about this thing it is going to come back in Uh a few seconds uh that is brian's turn okay brian is um suddenly very overwhelmed by the amount of things that are taking place all at one time and so all he can think about is how he got Roger to chill and he just wishes that everybody would just chill the fuck out um, and so in this moment of desperately needing to have control of the situation he casts sleep it says creatures within 20 feet of a point you choose within range are affected in ascending order of their hit points okay gotcha so roll your 5d8 um, okay 6 5 8 1 Six, eight. That's a good sleep roll. Thirty-four. Yeah, thirty-four. Okay. Wow. Yeah, that's a really good sleep roll. Um, and that's enough to get the full health Vegapygmy to go to sleep, and the Vegapygmy that had just come back from uh, regenerating to go to sleep. Holy shit. That's damn. Uh, that is Stanley's turn. He's gonna try and smash this last Vegapygmy that is still awake, and he misses. <laughs> and 
Ah, you suck! You suck! And that's Cecil's turn. Okay. You hear this tiny little... Oh my god. And then two black claws with paws from underneath the from, oh. from underneath the wagon as a panther comes out from underneath takes a galloping leap runs 20 feet and pounces on the last veg of big me <laughs> this tiny little plant nice. thing and this giant panther okay roll to attack <laughs> Ooh, that is a natural 20 all right <laughs> yeah uh you a rags to riches story for cecil in this in this encounter you, you kill that thing absolutely That's that a, thing uh, is it. dead um, all four of the toads are going to, they're all going to leap. Um, they're going to leap at Victoria. Your AC is 13, correct? Okay. One of them rolled a 13. So he is going to use his death leap. Uh, and he's going to jump at you. And I need you and Brian to both make dexterity saving throws. 16. 11. Okay, you both pass. Uh, so you're going to take half as much of this damage. So you both take four damage as this thing <laughs> explodes in your faces. Um, and there are still three left. Great. And that's James's turn. <laughs> Alright, I'm going <laughs> to... Alright, I guess um, seeing that the pygmies are more or less taken care of and I don't know how long these things are going to be asleep. Um, James is going to sprint down the hill and leap at one of the frogs. <laughs> okay. Roll. To try and catch it. Yes. Okay, roll, roll a grapple check. Oh, well, I mean, I roll a natural 19, so. Okay, yeah. You absolutely catch this thing. And uh, I'll say, yeah, yeah, you, you scoop him up and you toss him into the box over there with his uh, suicidal brethren. And that is the Vegapygmy's turn. And you see the one that was on the ground dead. My rage fuels me. I will never die. Comes back to life. Uh, Stanley's like, ah, you, so you little bastard. Ah, fuck you, fuck you. Um, and that Vegapygmy is going to try and attack. Uh, he's going to try and attack Cecil. And he rolls a oh, two. So he basically runs up and just kind of like smacks against your panther foot. <laughs> let him go! Let him go! Let him go! I'm gonna gurret. <laughs> oh shit! I uh, and that—that's Victoria's turn. I'm gonna go for that uh, sixth frog. All right, roll the attack. Sixteen. Okay, yeah, you absolutely catch this thing, and you great swish it uh, into the box, and you hear a you hear oh, a buzzer okay. in the background. Cecil turns around. Sports? Sports? Ew. <laughs> and that is Stanley's turn. He's gonna look at you and Roger, Cecil, and he's gonna say, get away from here! And he's gonna run over and pick up the last exploding toad and chuck it at the Vegapygmies that are over there. Yes. Uh, I'm gonna say, since he warned you, you guys were able to <laughs> run away. Um, but he's gonna... I'm gonna <laughs> climb 40 feet up the tree. There you go. You just dash up the tree, and yeah, that thing explodes, and they burn up, and uh, there is no way they're regenerating from that, and you guys have fantastic made it through this encounter, and Stanley brushes himself off. Huh, wow, you, uh, you folks really got me out of a jam there. I more than appreciate it. Here we go. And he 
hops into the wagon. He pulls this revolver down and he hands it down to you, Victoria. Uh, he says, oh, and of course, if there's anything else that uh, you folks would like, it is on the house, free of charge from Stanley's Spectacular Swords. Um, so if there's anything in nice. particular you guys are interested in, you can throw it out there and I will see if Stanley may or may not have it. There's so many options. Uh, can I get two shorter swords? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is Stanley's Spectacular Swords. And he goes in the back and he comes out with uh, two short swords and he hands them over to you. Brian, you could get like a real shield. I mean, I'm partial to my background with this locker, but yeah, I'll take a look. What do you have as far as as far as shields, Stanley? Oh, you uh, you mean you mean protecting swords? Yes, protecting swords. Protecting swords. Brian rolls his eyes, but tries very hard not to make it obvious. <laughs> he uh, he takes a look at your locker and um, he says, "Well, uh, this is honestly pretty impressive craftsmanship." Uh. I have a few more protective swords, but uh, none of them are really going to do any better or worse than, than this thing will do, yeah? Perfect. Before before Stanley even finishes his sentence, Brian reaches across, grabs the locker back, and just hugs it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put my paws up on the back end and sniff around for anything, uh, anything strange smelling. Okay, roll... What the uh, fuck? Roll an investigation check. <laughs> like the fish, man. Uh, that's only a seventeen. Uh, yeah, you find a you find a bag, and you kind of nuzzle it a little bit, and apparently a an an apple falls out, and it seems to just, it seems to be a little bag of apples. I'm gonna nudge that apple back in. I'm gonna grab the sack in my mouth, and I'm gonna hop that. Okay. Oh yes. Uh, feel free to take that as well. So, uh, <laughs> can I, uh, before I pack up and head out, can I ask you folks where you're headed to? No. Spiteful Field? Oh, oh. Damn it, Victoria. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of looks between the two of you and raises his eyebrows. Oh, well, um, well, good luck to you. I can tell you, um, it's, uh, not exactly the best place to be, but, um, I believe you, you folks seem to be... Seem to have good heads on your shoulders, so I would uh, I would assume that you folks can take care of yourselves, but uh, you are going to want to watch yourselves. Uh, folks of Spiteful Field are not exactly the nicest of people, as you might be able to guess from the name. I was going to say, are they a little <clears throat> spiteful? No, they're mean as fuck. Well, Brian will fit in just fine. James does a spit take. <laughs> Brian takes the corner of, of his elbow while he's hugging the locker door and just elbows her. Ow! Well, I'm uh, gonna finish keeping camp here, but I uh, wish you folks the best in your travels and uh, hope to see you again on the road. Thanks, Stanley. Thanks, Stanley. Bye, Roger. I get down low and have my hindquarters up higher and my tail is kind of flapping around. You guys play chase for a little bit. Uh, and you uh, head back to the to the van and continue driving onto uh, this place you only know as Spiteful Field. You don't quite know what's going to be coming, but at least you have each other. Do we though? <laughs> <laughs> Do we?
Dungeons & Dragons is Andy Dinehart as Victoria Hightower, Danielle Grisco as Brian Tolkien, Brandon Lindsay as Cecil McNamara, Jackson Pounds as James Malden, and myself, Riley Wesson, as your DM. Thanks a lot for listening to this session of the podcast. If you enjoyed it, leave us a review. We'd love to see those five stars and love to hear what you're thinking about the show. If you really liked it, tell a friend or share about the show on social media with the hashtag DHDpodcast. That's DHDpodcast. We would love to see those as well. Our theme music is Sonic Pogo by Vans in Japan. Other music can be found in the episode's description. And our artwork is done by the mind-blowingly talented Carlina Alvarez. Link to her stuff is in the description as well. Until next time, if you're having trouble studying for an exam or something, try chewing some gum while you're studying. And then when you're taking the test, you chew the same type of gum. It'll help you remember things. At least that's what teachers told me. I don't know if it's true or not. Thanks again. We'll see you next session. I'm going to go take a cat nap. Oh, no. Damn it, Brandon. Brandon. (laughs) How much psychic damage did we just take?